Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. halfway demon possessed. I don't know what's going on. How are you guys doing this morning? Woo! It's an honor, like real, real honor to be here with you guys, with the Simmons. My guys and I, we, we just, you know, anytime that we get in the car, we're like, these people are some of the most amazing people that we've probably ever met doing this ever, honestly. We love you guys, man. We just feel so connected. Uh, I, I told Aaron, I think it was yesterday, I was like, bro, I'm sad that I'm only getting to know you now. Like, I wish I would have known you for years already, but that's coming. We're going to run together for years, and it's going to be awesome. You guys doing good this morning? Yes? Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to speak a little bit this morning uh, on, on one of my favorite things to talk about, and that is the subject of worship uh, not just because I'm a worship leader, but because worship is the main attraction of all of eternity. And for eternity, we're not going to be known as apostles and prophets. We're going to be known as lovers and worshipers of God. We need to get back to the value of spending long hours in his presence because honestly, if you don't like spending long hours in his presence, you're not going to like heaven either. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the, that this morning. Would you just extend your hands toward me and just pray for me today? Lord, help. Amen. I felt good. That's a good prayer. Let's go to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22. I love speaking about this. I'm going to start this morning by uh, sharing a dream that a friend of mine had years ago, about 10 years ago. And um, we were getting ready to do a, a record. This is... I believe we were getting ready to do the Angel of Awakening record, and um, we decided to go on a fast. And a couple of weeks in, I was like, bro, I'm done with this fast. I'm getting off this thing. So I, we're driving home, and I call my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, can you, can you make some soup or something? I'm coming home to break this fast. I'm tired of fasting. This is ridiculous. And she goes, you better not break that fast. Like, you're contending, you know, you're, the Lord's going to do something in a generation. You want to eat soup? You're like, you're going to give up your birthright for a bowl of porridge? And I'm like, make the soup, woman. She's like, I'm not making any soup. You make your own soup. I'm like, fine, I will. And she goes, look, you need to, you need to ask God if you're supposed to do that or not, because I feel, you know, my wife was like, I really feel like this 
is an important season and it's an important moment. It's going to be an important record, which looking back now, it was, it was literally the launch of everything that we're doing. And uh, wives, how do y'all know? <laughs> wives, how do y'all know? That's so crazy. I love it. So uh, anyways, I'm like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait one more night. And in the morning, I'm breaking this fast because I'm done with this thing. And uh, in the morning, I wake up, and I'm so excited to eat breakfast, and my friend calls me. And I'm like, what's up, bro? And he goes, dude, I had a dream last night. And I'm like, oh, God, what did you dream? <laughs> he says, in the dream, you and I were standing like shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of our peers and these big corporations are coming, and they are giving people these huge promotions. They're, they're promoting them to, like, the top, top, top position in the companies, and they're giving them massive salaries. And the guys are just, they're going down the line in the dream. They're going down the line, and they're, all of our friends are being promoted to these crazy high, high-level vocations with high, high-level salaries. And when they get to us, they just pass us up. And they keep going down the line until all of a sudden, everybody had received a massive promotion, had, had gone to the top level of their vocation with the hugest salaries, and they just forgot about us. And he said, in the dream, I look at you, I'm like, bro, they forgot about, what are they doing? Why'd they pass us up? And he said, in the dream, you looked at me and you said, bro, don't worry about it. We have the supreme vocation. We are worshipers. And then the dream ended. He's like, what do you think it means? I'm like, unfortunately, I think it means I need to stay on this thing. So thanks for dreaming that. But the punchline here is that, friends, we have the supreme vocation. Listen, no matter what you do in life, whether you're a plumber or an accountant or a mom or a dad or a grandma or a Starbucks barista, whatever you are, you are a worshiper, comma, Starbucks barista. You are a worshiper, comma, grandpa. You are a worshiper, comma, plumber. Do you see what I'm saying? Worship is so much more than music. Worship is about our hearts intentionally connecting to the heart of God and us expressing our love for him. That's what worship is all about. It's not about, I don't really like this song. I don't really like this music, or hey, I really like this music. It's not about music, man. It's about connecting our heart to the heart of God. Did you know that there is something greater than your relationship with Jesus? Huh? Yeah. It's called fellowship with Jesus. Most people are content with just having relationship with Jesus, but I don't, I don't want just relationship with Jesus. I want fellowship with Jesus. Do you hear me this morning? 
Listen, I have relationship with a lot of people, but I only have fellowship with my friends. You can't accidentally become great friends with anyone. Most people, I, I believe that most people are content with just having a relationship with Jesus as an acquaintance. Like, oh yeah, I know Jesus. Let's break it down. Let's get real for a second. I feel like most people in the church, most believers at least at one time knew God. But I think most believers are not pressing in to continue to know God. You know what I'm saying? It's the equivalent of going, oh yeah, I met that guy one time. I don't know him at all. Or we had a good little season together, but I haven't talked to him in years. I don't, I don't know how they're doing. I don't know how she's doing. It's the same thing. I feel like with the body of Christ, most people in the body of Christ are in that place. Oh, yeah, I met God. We had a great romantic honeymoon season. Our hearts were connected. Everything was good. But I've not talked to him in years. And you might think like, no, I, I know God. And God's going, I mean, I used to know you. Who are you now? You've not made any time. Friends, there's a huge difference between having a relationship and having fellowship. And I want to provoke you this morning that God is jealous for our affection. God is looking not just for relationship with you. Let's go past that. God wants fellowship with us. We need to understand something that for eternity, we're going to be lovers and worshipers of God. Isn't it incredible that the Father, he has chosen to release his kingdom, his resources, his wisdom. He says, I want to give it all to you. I want to, I want to release all of this to you, but it's contingent upon this one thing, that you talk to me in prayer and that you sing to me in worship. Because everything is unlocked through the place of fellowship. You see what I'm saying? Remember Jesus said, guys, I want to teach you something about the Father. Because I'm in him and he's in me. And he says this, you can ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. That's the heart of the Father. The Father wants to meet us. He wants to fellowship with us. And he wants to release all that he is to us. But he's not just going to write you a blank check and kill all your enemies like this. Kill all your enemies? Yeah, I said kill all your enemies. You guys are more spirit. You ever wanted God to kill your enemies? Have you ever asked, like, God, why don't you just write me a blank check, solve all these problems, kill all my enemies, and just be done with it already? And I really, I really believe that God goes, I could easily do that. But then you would have no reason to talk to me. You remember how many times in the Bible the Lord's like, look, guys, I'm going to bless you. I'm about to increase you. It's going to be awesome. But please, don't forget me when I begin to increase you. And 100% of the time, like, absolutely not, God. How can we forget you? And then he increases them. They're like, peace. And they like, they, you know, they forget about him. And God's like, 
So now God has instructed us, look, I'm going to give you the land little by little. Because if I gave it all to you at once, the Bible says that the beasts of the field would consume you. Right? God, it's in his heart. Listen, how many parents we have in here, right? Most, par- most people are parents in here. It's in your heart to absolutely bless and spoil your kids, right? And then grandparents, it goes to another level, right? You want to absolutely just lavish those kids, sugar them up, and give them back. How much greater is our heavenly father that he says, I want to, I want to give it all to you. You know, I, I, almost 15 years ago, I was in Bible school, and we were learning about uh, a, a biblical principle on the theology of God called the law of inexhaustibility. And what that means is in the law of inexhaustibility in the studies of biblical theology, the study of who God is, that means that every single attribute of God, every single characteristic of God is completely unsearchable. It's completely inexhaustible. Let me break it down for you. For eternity, we are going to be at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the mercy of God, of the love of God, of the wisdom of God, of the justice of God, of the joy of God. We're always going to be at the beginning. And the Father says, ask, just ask, just ask. I want to give it to you, but you have to talk to me. And you have to sing to me. This past year, my, my daughter graduated kindergarten. It's a big day. And I remember, it was, I was so proud of her. You know, she'd go, she'd go to school, and every day I'd pick her up, and she'd jump in the car, and I would ask her the same question every day. You know what I would ask her? How was your day? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? How is your day? Now, let's break it down. Let's keep it 100 for a second. Let's keep it real. She's in kindergarten. I know how her day went. She colored on a piece of paper. She's going to fight with her BFF at snack time. She went to recess, and then by the end of the day, they were BFF again. That was her day every day. She's in kindergarten. I wasn't asking how her day was because I needed the information. I was asking because as a father, I was looking for the heart connection, for the dialogue, and for the fellowship. You might be sitting here today going, why, why do we worship? Why, what's, what do you mean? Like, what's the point? Why do we pray? God already knows. Of course he does, but he's not looking for the information. He's looking for the dialogue. He's looking for the fellowship. God is looking for the conversation. We sang out of Psalm 27, 4 this morning, the one thing that I want, the one thing that I seek, is that I might dwell in your house and inquire in your temple. What I love about the heart of David is that David's heart was so set on growing in fellowship with God through every season of the soul. Think about it. Out of all of the things that David could be known for, he's a giant slayer. He's a warrior. He was an adulterer. 
He's a man filled with pride. Yo, Joab, we're getting pretty, pretty big these days, huh? Why don't you go number the army? And God's like, no, 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 bro, don't number. The, it's not about the numbers, David. Why do you, it's about you and I. David's like, absolutely, God. Yo, Joab, go number the army. <laughs> David, the most richest, powerful, famous man in the whole earth. The king, the politician, the father, the inventor. He invented instruments. Out of all of the things that he could be known for, or of all the things that he could have his identity in, good and bad, you know what he said? One thing have I asked. One thing do I seek. That I might dwell in your house and inquire in your temple. What does that mean? David said this, the one thing that I want to define me, the one place that I'm going to receive my identity from is from the intentionality that I give to spending time in your presence and talking and fellowshipping with you, to dwell in your house and to inquire in your temple. David, you blew it. Bathsheba was a huge scandal in the nation and for all of history. It was a scar on history. And David said, one thing have I asked. I'm not going to be, listen, when you blow it, don't be defined by your failures. Come out from behind the fig tree of shame and guilt and continue to press in for fellowship. Do you know God's love is committed to you greater than any failure you could ever have? It's like, well, I don't want to talk to God. And God goes, no, 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 no. If you blew it, just talk to me and sing to me about it. I just want fellowship with you. You see what I'm saying? God's going, look, the more you talk to me, the more you sing to me, the more I'm going to help you get delivered of that stuff. You just have to keep me in the conversation. Keep me in the process. Keep inviting me into your journey. And then fast forward, and all of a sudden, David is this rich, powerful, famous king. And David goes, I'm rich, I'm powerful, I'm famous. But one thing do I ask. One thing do I seek that I might dwell in your house and fellowship with you. And God, that, that, that absolutely ignited the heart of God. He said, David, you're rich, you're powerful, you're famous. And David goes, I know God, but the one thing I want is to be in your presence and to fellowship with you. When you're, when you're successful, don't forget about God. Keep the conversation going. Keep the dialogue going. Continue to press for fellowship. This is the heart of God for us, guys. This is what he wants from us. Let's go to Psalm 22, 3. Let's look at this. We're going to read this verse, and it's a verse that most of us in here have heard dozens of times. But I want to, I want to point something out to you. I believe that this verse, because of the implications of what the Holy Spirit is inviting us into, 
is probably one of the nearest, dearest verses to the heart of God. Psalm 22, 3, it says, the Lord is holy. He is enthroned in the praises of his people. You know where the throne of God is at? It's in our praises. It's in our conversation. It's in our dialogue with him. It's in our songs. It's it's in us keeping God involved in the process and the journey. God is so madly in love with us. He is so passionate about having fellowship with us that he said, guys, out of all of the places in the universe that I could choose to have my throne, I'm going to put my throne in the midst of imperfect peoples, imperfect praises, so that I can be close enough to hear their voice, to listen to their songs, to feel their love, because I would rather be close to them than anywhere else in the universe. This is the heart of God for us, guys. Don't just be settled with relationship with him. Let's contend, let's press in for fellowship with God. Whenever we begin to dialogue with God, talk with him, sing to him, something incredible happens. His throne comes into that place. When we begin to worship, now again, worship is so much more than music. Worship is the heart connect of man to God. When you're intentional to connect your heart to God in conversation, in song, in expression, in love, in dialogue, that's worship. And God has chosen to put his throne in that. So maybe you're going through a crazy season right now. You know, the old school way of spiritual warfare was yelling at the devil. I bond Leviathan and loose the Jezebel thing or whatever you. I, you don't want to lose Jezebel. That's terrible. <laughs> I, actually, I think it's so funny that we know 30 things that define a Jezebel and we don't know three things about a seraphim. You know what I'm saying? We have so focused on the battle and the spiritual work. You ever seen those old school intercessors who come out of the prayer closet and their hair's all jacked up? Oh, brother, we've been spiritual warfare and all night long. I'm like, my God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Someone said, yes, I do. That's, that's the old school way of spiritual warfare where you like actually wrestle with the devil. But we see in the book of Daniel, that spiritual warfare place is in the second heaven, the place of confusion and angels and demons contending. But Paul says that right now you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places in the third heaven. When we begin to exalt Jesus over our situation, most Christians are living in the second heaven. They're living in the confusion. They're living in the, the striving. And they're so beat up and worn out because they're wrestling with the Leviathan all night long or whatever you're doing. Instead of doing that, why don't you just exalt Jesus? 
Why don't you just talk to him? Why don't you just start fellowshipping with him? Why don't you bypass the second heaven and realize that you are seated with Christ right now in heavenly places in the third heaven? That instead of going, I loose you and I bind you, instead of doing that, just go, Jesus, you're worthy of all of your enemies becoming your footstool. And Jesus goes, I like that. You know, the Bible says all of his promises are what? Yes and amen. You know what that means to me? When Jesus makes a promise to us, whether he speaks it to our heart or he reveals it in his word or someone prophesies over us, when he reveals a promise to us, when we bring the promise back to him in talking to him, in singing to him, in fellowship, when we continue the dialogue of worship, whether that's singing or talking or expressing our love for him, when we say, God, you promised this, you know what he says? He says, amen. Angels, they're starting to finally get it. They're starting to finally align their thoughts with my thoughts. They're finally starting to align their beliefs with my beliefs. They're getting out of that second heaven deal, and they are understanding who they really are. Angels, go release my amen into that situation. God doesn't, he's not up there because he's needing more worship. Now, he's worthy of the worship, right? We worship because of two primary things. Number one is the given we worship because God is infinitely worthy of all of the love, all of the affection of every tribe, tongue, nation of the earth for history past, for all seven billion of us on the planet today, and for eternity to come of where his kingdom, there will be no end. Not just humanity, he's worthy of the worship of the stars, the moon, the wind, the wave, the oceans, the, the flame, the grass, the flowers, all of creation. God is infinitely worthy of it all. He's worthy. That's why we worship primarily, number one. But the second reason why we worship is because when we continue the dialogue, when we continue to say, the one thing I want, I want to be in your presence, I want to grow in fellowship with you, when we begin to worship, the throne of God begins to be pulled into that situation, and worship, the second reason why we worship is because worship, it's a way for us to come into agreement with God. When you worship, your perspective comes into agreement with God's perspective. When you worship, your thoughts come into agreement with God's thoughts. When you worship, your heart posture comes into agreement with God's heart posture. When you worship, your perspective comes into agreement with God's perspective. Do you see what I'm saying? Why is worship so important? Because A, God is infinitely worthy of it, and B, because when we worship, we begin to align ourselves, our reality, with his reality. We begin to get out of that place of striving. We begin to go beyond relationship and press in for fellowship. Does anybody want this this morning? Does anybody want to grow in fellowship with God? Does anyone want to, to 
pull the throne of God into your situation. Whether you're struggling and you're going through it or you're, you've blown it or whether you're completely flourishing and you're successful, we need to pull the throne of God into that situation. We need to keep the conversation going. We need to press in for more than relationship. We need to go after fellowship. We need to understand that he is so in love with us that he has already done 99.999% of the work for us. And he said, guys, I've already put my throne in the midst of your praises. It's so far beyond music. It's about you intentionally connecting your heart to mine. And when you do, it's literally as simple as going, Jesus, you're worthy. And right there, right there, the throne of God comes into that place. Or you're going through it and you're going, Jesus, I don't know what to do. Right there, you pull the throne of God into that situation. God, everything's going amazing. Thank you so much. Right there, you enthrone him on praises. Friends, the beautiful part about this, this is never, ever, ever going away. For eternity, the way that God is going to, the way he does now, the way he releases his revelation, his provision, his breakthrough, his resources, whenever we talk to him and sing to him. Is anybody connecting with this? You know what I'm saying? When you begin to, to press in for fellowship with God, you say, God, we need help. He goes, absolutely. Because you asked, I'm releasing it. God, thank you so much. Because you gave thanks, I'm going to give you more. Do you see what I'm saying? But that principle is never going to go away. For eternity, God will rule and reign his kingdom, of which there will be no end. He will always rule it through the place of partnership, agreement, intimacy, and fellowship with his people. We see it in Revelation 4. They're doing it right now. When the church in heaven agrees with the beauty of God. God releases himself into heaven. When the church of earth, did you feel it this morning? I was feeling it this morning. When the church of earth begins to worship, we begin to agree with God. God releases himself into earth. And this is never going away. This is how God will always govern his kingdom. We're at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning right now, friends. This is the beginning of it all. For eternity, we are the way that his breakthrough, his kingdom, his beauty will be unlocked to the nations and to whatever else we're going to create together is through talking to him in prayer and singing to him in worship. That's how it's going to happen. Worship is not just a warm-up for the message, guys. Worship is the message. Why is God breathing on worship? So, and again, I'm not talking about worship music or worship records only or worship songs. I'm talking about why is there an explosion of worship all over the earth right now? Why is God highlighting this thing? Because he's preparing his bride. He's getting us ready. We are maturing. Our song is getting louder. 
and louder and louder. And India is connecting with the Middle East. And the Middle East is connecting with America. America is connecting with Asia. And the global body of Christ is beginning to pursue fellowship with God. And as we continue to grow in maturity in our love... One day, as the globe, guys, there is a global crescendo of worship, of prayer, of fellowship with God that is exploding. It's going viral all over the planet right now. You guys are a huge part of it here in Tip City and Dayton in Ohio. You guys are, are holding down the fort here. The song is rising out of this place. The fellowship is rising out of this place. You are joined to the global perspective, the global body. And this thing is going louder and louder. It's getting stronger and stronger. It's maturing deeper and deeper to finally, one day, Jesus is just going to look at the Father and go, Go, Father! I can't take it anymore. Listen to them. The song has become so loud. The fellowship has become so rich. Their deep has so touched my deep. Please, Father, is it time? And one day the Father's going to go, the bride is wooed you, son. The song is loud. The fellowship is strong. The conversation is mature. Now's the time. Go for it, son. Friends, we're going to sing back Jesus into the earth. That's how it's going to happen. The maturity of our fellowship is going to grow. Worship is so much more than music. It's about pursuing fellowship with God in our daily lives. Like I mentioned yesterday, we did a Q&A deal with some leaders and pastors and like I mentioned, what does a lifestyle of worship look like? Take out the trash. Clean up the dog puke. Prefer your neighbor. Exalt Jesus. Talk to him through the whole entire day. Keep your heart engaged. When you get a moment, sneak away with him because the father who is in secret He will reward you openly. Right? Friends, this is what it's all about. It's not just about music. It's about us living with intentionality to grow beyond relationship and to mature in fellowship with God. It's about pulling the throne of God into our situations, into our regions. Thank God for the upper room here. Because... Since there's an upper room here, the throne of God will always be in this place. As long as there is a community of believers who are pressing in for fellowship, the throne of God is going to be in that place. Anybody want some of that this morning? Let's all stand together. Just for time's sake, I'm not going to invite the team up. I'm just going to invite you to lift your hands to the Father. And let's, let's begin to, to ask him for an activation of this. Anybody want to have this activated in them? Come on. This is what it's all about, guys. This is never going away. This is the supreme vocation. We get to fellowship with God. 
We get to sing back the king. We get to pull his throne into our situation. No matter how bad you blow it, no matter how successful you are, it's about one thing. Father, we ask this morning that you would be our one thing. Come on, turn your heart towards him this morning. God, awaken Psalm 27 for in our hearts today. The one thing that we ask, the one thing that we want is that we might dwell in your house, that we might be intentional to spend time in your presence and that we may inquire in your temple, that we may give ourselves to growing in fellowship with you, Jesus. Out of all the things that we could be defined by, all of our failures, all of our successes, we want to be known as lovers and worshipers of God. Now, friends, the beautiful part about this, you don't have to wait until you die to step in to your calling. You are a worshiper, comma, plumber. You are a worshiper, comma, sound man. You are a worshiper, comma, Starbucks barista. You're a worshiper. This is your supreme vocation. Father, mark us with it today. In the name of Jesus, amen. That was actually kind of like weird. Um, <laughs> it was like this little pinky thing that happened just now. That was bad execution. Hey, can we just stretch our hands out to the guys right now? Let's just bless them. God, we thank you for Rick Pino and, and Adam and Dustin and Gabe. God, we just bless them. We bless their homes right now. As they return to their homes today, let them be filled with joy, peace, just goodness, love. Let it be fun. God, let, the, let this year just be, just wow them more than they can ask, think, or imagine. Let it be an amazing year. Just blast them with your goodness and presence. In Jesus' name. Thanks for coming. You're welcome to stick around for the 11. I'm sure it will be different. Um, so if you're, if you're saved and you're really hungry for more Jesus, stay for the 11. If not, we love you anyway. So have a great week. We love you.